You're listening to the Talk Story Radio Network. Welcome to another edition of Swoops World, right here on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Swoops World, where you get all you need to know about arts, culture, news, and happiness. You can always email us at swoopsworld at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Now just sit back and enjoy another edition of Swoops World on the new Talk Story Radio Network. Uh, welcome to another edition of Swoops Road, and I'm happy to have her as our guest today, Rihanna Sanford. And uh, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to getting to know her a little bit better and and sharing with you all the kind of the things that she's doing. I, I follow her on on, on uh, social media. I'm I'm happy to say that I, I met her years ago and consider her a friend. And and we always talk about things throughout our lives. We meet people who inspire us and whatnot. And how did they get in our lives? Did God put them there? Did the universe put them there? I don't know what your beliefs are, but I am blessed to know her, Rihanna. Thank you for joining us on the show today. Thank you. Thank you. Swoop, it's really good to be here. Um, <laughs> it's it's always good to, uh, to follow you uh, on some of your social media platforms. Uh, I love what you're saying, but let's talk, let's tell our uh, guests a little bit about you before we get to that. Uh, where'd you grow up and, and how did you get to where you are today? Okay, so I am a Midwest girl. I actually was born in California, but um, because my dad was in the Air Force, so I don't really remember anything about California or England, which is where we lived for about eight months where my brother was born before we came back to St. Louis. This is where my mother was born. And I um, pretty much spent the rest of my childhood up, up all the way up through high school in the St. Louis area. And so I am, I am a Midwest girl through and through. I used to say all the, say things weird and stuff like her instead of hair and all that stuff. I, I did it all. Um, my mother used to, could not stand to hear me speak. I'll just say that it was, it was bad. It was really bad. Um, and then I, so grew up in a Christian home with both my parents, which I know is not sometimes very common anymore these days, but I grew up in the Christian home with my parents and um, just me and my brother. And then um, went off to Wichita State University to study music. I actually have a vocal performance degree and um, I didn't get it from there, but I started off there and then I, two years from there. And then I went over to Tulsa, Oklahoma to Oral Roberts University and finished my degree Right. There also met my husband there and um, we got married in 2000 and we've been married ever since. <laughs> um, and we have three kids ages 19, 17, almost 18 <laughs> and 16. So life is life is busy. Life is yeah. very interesting being a mom of, of three teenagers and it has to be. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like nothing I ever known before. 
Let's right. just say that. <laughs> <laughs> now you got your degree in in music. Mm-hmm. Vocal performance. Yep. And do you and do you still uh, do you perform vocal? Do you no, sing? I mean I do for weddings and things like that. When people ask me, I used to sing in church. Like actually, that's where I started. Was like youth. I had a friend actually dare me to try out for the youth praise and worship team. And I was scared to death to sing in front of anybody because I never really sang in front of anybody. But my mom comes from a family of singers. And so we always like we just singing was normal to me because we just sang. We got together and we sang. It's just what we did. But I never sang solo in front of anybody by myself before. That was that was scary. Um, But so I started singing that I was about 13 and then I went on to sing, um, you know, through high school for choirs. I did musicals and stuff. And then um, in in college, I did opera, aria, operas and musicals there as well. And then then I started singing in churches. We led we did actually we 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 planted a church um around 2002 2002 to 2009 we planted a church and i was the solo like music minister so it's me and my keyboard every sunday leading praise and worship and um, i got a lot a lot of i got a lot of singing hours doing (laughs) that and then from that i kind of got asked to lead praise and worship in different areas for different occasions and different things and but now i would say that and i taught voice and piano lessons for like 13 years after I got my degree. So I would kind of was in a more of a teaching, you know, um, position at that point. Um, you, you know, I, I did, I did still sing in church and stuff, but I, I never really was a gig person. Like I never was that person that you could go and listen to them sing on a normal basis. And you right. were outside of church, outside right. of church. Right. So, so you you went you went into the singing in church and things like that. Now I know some things about, and I bounce I bounce around sometimes in these these interviews. So forgive me. <laughs> I know that you've written a, a few books. So what what mm-hmm. sparked what sparked that portion of you? I mean, music it was a big um, part of your life. Church is a big part of your life, and yeah. then you go to, you get into the writing phase. What what sparked um, that interest in you? You know what? That's a good question. Um, so we'll stay because I never wanted to write a book, never wanted to write a book, barely even enjoyed reading books myself. But here's the thing. If God tells you that you're supposed to do something and he makes a way, he opens the door for it to happen. You kind of like you obviously have a choice to, to obey or not to obey. But I knew that I knew that this was an opportunity. So let me let me start with going back to where I told you we pastored a church. We planted and pastored a church in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, right? God has a really big sense of humor. He took a city girl from St. Louis and then moved us in the middle of nowhere, Kansas in a rural community, about 350 people in population. And there's more cows than people, okay? (laughs) But this is where I lived for seven years. And when we were there, there was no youth group, no youth ministry for these kids. And obviously I just told you like youth ministry was a big thing for me. It's kind of where I came out of my shell because I was starting to work, you know, walk in my giftings and my callings of singing and, you know, um, and so I, my heart was breaking for these kids that didn't have any, any youth ministry and the girls in particular, because I am a girl, I could see that they did not see themselves through the eyes of their creator. Right. And so there was a lot of conversations, a lot of, you know, messages that I, you know, would share 
during the youth services about identity. And this is back in 2002, okay? 2000, well, I would say like more like 2006, seven, eight um, before we left there and moved to Kansas City. But um, when we got to Kansas City shortly after that, or I would say probably about 2012, uh, a lady came up to me and told me about this vision that she had to, to start this group for mothers and their daughters um, basically kind of like, a uh, helping them to become a, helping the daughters to become a pure woman of God. And like what you think of when you think of that Proverbs 31 woman type of type of program. And she said, I want there to be an, a, a devotional for the girls and I want a separate devotional for the moms. And she's like, I think that I want you to write, write the devotional for the girls. And I'm like, I don't know nothing about writing no book, you know, like I've never, I've never written anything in my life. Like I barely, I have enough a hard time just making sure I read the Bible, you know, you want me to write a book. Okay. So, but I, I, I knew what needed to be said though. I knew what needed to be said because right. of all those years that I spent in youth ministry. And I said, you know, and I may pray about it, but if God says yes, that I know he'll help me, you know, through the process. And so I basically wrote that devotional. It was so well received that it was recommended to me that I open it up to the rest of the world. So I essentially just tweaked it a little bit so that it wasn't quite in such a devotional, you know, format and more of an open reader type of format. And, and it's been selling since 2013, you wow. know, uh, on Amazon. So that's how I wrote the first one. And, um, and a lot of times what I'll see is I'll see 10 to 20 of them going at a time because they're being used for youth groups. Right. Um, so, or girl, you know, study groups or Bible study groups or something like that, which I love to see, you know, obviously I, I love to see that. Um, but it's a girl, it's a book called the identity of purity. Um, the, a teenager's guide, the teenagers, teenage girl's guide to sexual purity. So we kind of talk through a lot of different things, but mostly from like basically the perspective of seeing yourself through the eyes of your creator and how that instruction that how that kind of guides your choice in your decision making throughout your adolescent life. When you do, when you wrote that, it's, it's interesting because a lot of times we'll see books come out and guidance books from a Christian perspective for say, yeah. and, and then people will say, well, this isn't, this isn't biblical. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, when you, when you, when you sat down to write this, uh, how did, and obviously you prayed on it, but mm -hmm. what, what did you use? I know you said you had your experience and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. do, do you consider this like biblically based or, uh, Absolutely. You know, yeah, and, yeah. And and what uh, what steps did you take to make, to assure that was was going on when you were when you're actually writing it? Um. So so I made the word of God my foundation, like my 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 voice of authority for the book. Because if we're, if the book's stance is making sure that that these girls can see themselves through the eyes of their Creator, then they also have to know what does God say about them. Right. And in order to know that, then you have to go to his word. And that's why I could not write a book like that without it being biblical. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When you, um, 
and you said it was it's been well received and, and people and people are still picking it up and and how are they finding it? I mean, um, are, uh, that's a, you know I know a lot of times with Amazon they do that if you if if you bought this other people who bought this also bought this have you right. figured out how people are finding your book are you promoting it? I think it, it might lot? it might be some of that. There's definitely some word of mouth mm-hmm. happening. Um, I'm horrible at marketing. <laughs> for this book. I'm telling for any of my books, I've not done a really great job at all about helping people to find it every now and then I'll mention something on social media. Um, but I, that's something that I really need to get better at doing, but, but I do know that between, because it's the same thing happens to me when I, when I pull up my book on Amazon, I'll see other people bought this, this, and this or whatever. So I know that that's happening. Um, but I, I recently just actually recently just revised it last summer. So it's been almost a year, I guess. It's just hard to believe it was last June. I revised it because when I wrote it 10 years ago, swoop, and a lot of people may have take issue with this, but that's okay because, you know, (laughs) it is what it is. But um, 10 years ago, no one was having this discussion around gender identity definitely not something that we were having a conversation about in my youth group. Right. And so that is something that I felt very strongly that needed to be um, needed to be approached from a biblical perspective and uh, to help guide anyone who might be struggling in that area with gender dysphoria or whatever the case may be. Because for me, it's very, very important for us to understand that there is something called truth. And, and if my husband and I were just talking about this this morning, if you cannot have a foundation of truth and what I mean by truth, I don't mean something that's waving, wave, waving, like here today, gone tomorrow. I mean, it's factual. I mean, it's, it it will be sustained through (laughs) everything, right? Right. It's sustainable on its own, right? Because it is true. So if you cannot have that as a foundation, what happens is, and the Bible talks about this in Romans one, you find yourself actually not being able to be in a place of reality. And when you can't be in a place of reality, like what is real, then you actually then are not able to even think straight because there's no foundation. There's no meat to what it is that you're believing that, that will be sustaining for you throughout your life. And so this is why we have, we talk about what a reprobate mind is. It's basically the ability not to think straight because you're making decisions on something that's not even strong enough to hold up, you know? You absolutely right. And and my question is somebody, you know, you have teenage children now. I do. In this day and age, um, you know, my, my kids are a little bit, a little bit to a lot older than yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and when I grew up, the things that I dealt with were not the things my kids dealt with. And the things are so nowadays with so many things coming at, at kids uh, through social media, through peer pressure, through the changing of our society. Mm-hmm. How are you able to keep that good Christian foundation for your children? Mm-hmm. And how are you uh, able to teach them to kind of not get caught up in a lot of these things that we're seeing that we know are not biblical foundations. Right. 
honestly, you know, I think we're in an age right now where, and it's different when I was a kid, it's maybe different when you, your kids were growing up, but I know like for me, we really do have to be in this discipleship mindset. We have to take every opportunity possible to make sure that we're having conversations with them, that we're teaching and leading and guiding them and, and really being their, their major voice in their lives as an, as, as a voice of instruction, because that's the mantle that we have as their parents. It's not the teacher at school. It's not pastor so-and-so at church. It's the parent's job to make sure that their children is learn are learning. Their children are learning the things that they need to learn. That's what the, that's what Proverbs 22, six is to, you know, to train your child in the way that they should go so that they will not depart from it when they're older. Well, if we're relying on all these other people to be the main voices in their lives, then that's difficult for the parent to be able to do. And I think that for me, what I have to remind myself is I have an anointing. I have a gifting and a calling to be able to be, my husband and I both, to be the voice of instruction for them, to lead them and guide them into truth. Okay. Obviously they, if they, you know, have a relationship with Holy spirit or whatever, they can, you know, use that as well, but we are supposed to be teaching and guiding them. Right. And so, um, we do things like devotionals. We do family devotional times. We have spent some time trying to make sure we understand what are some of the giftings and callings that God has put in them so that they can practice those things inside our home. So they don't have to go to anywhere else to feel the fulfilling of being used by God. So like when we just got done eating dinner, who prayed over it? My, my son prayed, you know, prayed and who, who helps lead sometimes in our devotion time? One of the boys, you know, um, who might lead us in a song or something like that. One of the boys, like, this is part of the training, Right. right? This is part of the training that I think is so we are missing it. We're missing it. And I've missed it for many years. This is only something we've been doing for the last few years, as I've seen, as we've seen what's been going on. I wish we started it way back when. Right. I mean, we've always kind of, you know, helped them to memorize scripture and things like that. But man, I have a whole new, I guess, look, outlook or perspective on um, the importance of parents actively discipling their children. I have my t-shirt on. You, you can't see it because you guys are just listening, but it says mama disciple. And I have two of these shirts and I love to wear it because it reminds me that's who I am. I am a mama who disciples to make other disciples, to make more disciples. I'm a mama who is discipling her children so that they can also disciple others. And that is the great commission. That's you, the great commission. You have to, I mean, I, you know, I, Every day I see something or I read something, I hear something about kids in school being told that uh, you're not going to tell your parents about this or we're going to, you know, we're, we're teaching you this and you can, you're you not supposed to share that, share this part with your parents and stuff like that. So it's, it, it's, it, it's got to be a, a struggle at, in this day and age for a parent to really guide their kids, regardless of what your beliefs are, um, but to guide them in a, in a way that you want to raise your kids. Because for some reason, uh, the schools and uh, the government seems to be in a, in, a, in, a, in a space where they think that they control our children. That's right. And so I think, you know, for parents to, uh, to have to speak up and, and guide, their, guide their children and teach their children, it's, mo- it's so much more important now than it probably has ever been in my lifetime. Perspective is like we have to understand that that is 
that's not a dirt to go and to fight against that stuff as much as possible. Um, and it's difficult. It really, you just never, like you scratch your head sometimes and, or pinch yourself thinking like, this has to be a bad dream. Right. You know, that, that they're telling us that we can't, you know, that we, that, that we can't make these decisions that we can't, um, keep our kids from doing this or doing that. It's just insane. to me. It is all, all the way around, all the way around. Now, I know that you, you, besides uh, guiding your children and, and, and sharing with other mothers uh, these things, I know you, you, you're you in the health field as well as, 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 well as the spirituality field. Um, you know, and, and so it seems to me that you've kind of devoted your life to, to, to helping people improve their lives, whether it's health-wise, uh, spiritually, um, um, you know, raising kids and whatnot. And, and is, that, is that a correct assessment? <laughs> it is. That's crazy. It's like, I'm starting to realize in the, <clears throat> this part of my life, um, that I feel very strongly called to inspiring people to be the best versions of themselves as possible. So yeah, that's kind of what got me into the health field even because that, that has to do with, you know, um, well for me when it specifically, when I, you know, started looking at my health and stuff, it was like when I had the epiphany that, something is going to happen to me if I don't start making better choices about how I'm taking care of my temple. And I didn't mention this earlier, but my daughter has severe special needs. And so she needs everything done for her. Mm -hmm. And essentially this body needs to be well oiled and functioning for the sake of taking care of her to be able to take care of her the way that she needs to be taken care of. And so I've started to feel real convicted, you know, myself (laughs) about how I was not taking care of myself and then that made me a weaker version of my of myself that I was given to my husband and my family. So I um, I really just became passionate about helping helping me myself getting on the boat to healthier living, and then helping others to do the same because I feel like the healthier you know the healthier you are, um, the more better you are to be able to do the things that you're called to do, whatever right. that might be. I've yeah. seen I've seen. And I've been told as well from doctors and whatnot that caretakers uh, literally oftentimes let themselves go because mm-hmm. they're spending so much time caring for the others, caring yeah. for other people. And, and that's, that's kind of a, a consistent thing. And they say that a lot of times, you know, the, care, the, the caretaker is, is damaging their own health, mm-hmm. um, but not not taking the time to, to concentrate on their own health as well as care for the person or people yeah. that they're caring for. So that's kind of what you probably experienced a little bit of that. Then. Yeah, I did. I, it, I was probably about 34 ish or so 34, 35 years old when I hit my hit the wall. And I was just like, I mean, I was having heart palpitations. I was chronically fatigued. Um, had gut issues. I mean, my face was all broken out because I mean, it was just, you name it. I just did not have, I was, I was tired all the time and I just had no energy. And, um, and I'm like, how do I take care of this child? You know, and I got two others. So I had three kids in three years. And so literally it was just like, I was overwhelmed day after day, day after day, just never felt like I had 
any energy. And I'm like, I, I just felt like I was existing. Like I'm just barely here, you know, hanging on every day. And I'm like, this is not, this is not a life. <laughs> this, is not abundant, this is not abundant living that I know Jesus died me for me for, you know? Um, so I, I, um, definitely was trying to figure out ways to, to get healthier, but it's like, you have to have that same mentality. You know, when you get on the plane and they tell you if the oxygen masks would fall down because of the change in pressure in the cabin or whatever, please make sure you put your mask on yourself first, first and then put it on your child. And that's the thing. It's like, if you were taking care of someone, you got to make sure that you take care of yourself first, or you're no good to that person that you're trying to take care of. It's just very logical when you think about it. But, um, yeah, there's a huge problem of that. People just not really caring about taking care of themselves in the process of giving, you know, taking care of everybody else. So absolutely. Now you, you wrote a book about caring for a special needs child, right? <laughs> yes. The second book that I didn't want to write, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but was obedient because I, um, I mean, I struggled. I probably, probably the first several years of my daughter, Kaya, Kaya is her name, um, of her life. I struggled a lot with just grieving, grieving over, you know, the, the things that you imagine, um, when you're younger growing up, that life is going to be like when you become a parent, you know, when you become a mom and realizing that life was going to look very different. So she doesn't walk, she doesn't talk. She's, she's very developmentally delayed. And, um, and she had, you know, started having a lot of health issues that started around three or four years old, include like with seizures and things like that. And, um, day to day was difficult, um, for me. And I can remember just feeling scared, being fearful, doubtful, and frustrated, you know, that this was, this is my life. And, um, over the, over several years of just God dealing with me, honestly, and, and through his grace and his mercy of pointing me towards his word. And, and, um, I got to a point where I could actually really look at my life and say, I love my life. You know, <laughs> like I would not trade any of it. I wouldn't trade any of its special needs at all. And there were three main keys. And again, very biblical in nature, but three main keys that I felt God was had kind of highlighted, highlighted for me to help me see how I had gotten to this point of being, of being joy, joyful and, and grateful for the life that I have special needs and all. Right. So I wrote, um, this special life living with special needs and loving it in 2017 it's a very very quick and easy read you could probably sit and read it in 20 20 minutes maybe less if you're a very fast reader but i made it short like that because i wanted it to be quick and easy for a mom who's like me you know has a lot going on to be able to read it and ingest it and it'd be quick but powerful right at the same time and so yeah. So that is also on Amazon, on Amazon that I've done a horrible job with marketing, but it's up there. <laughs> it's well, up there. We will, we will put the links in, in, in the, uh, in the posts and, and hopefully uh, it'll, it'll send some people there to take a, take a look and, and purchase it as well. That would be great. You frequently post videos uh, hitting all kinds of subjects on, on, on social media and what inspires you to do that? 
I think it's kind of like what I was saying earlier about me just being inspired to to want to help or have being driven to want to help people become the best versions of themselves. And I think that they can't really do that if they don't have, if they don't know who they are in Christ and, and truth comes, it comes back to truth. It comes back to what's real and, um, and the purpose and the value for which you are breathing air on this earth. Because um, I used to have a, something that I used to say, and I, I, so forgive me if I say it wrong because I haven't said it in a while, but this is essentially what it is. Like everybody, if everybody is doing what they were put here to do, the whole world would be a better place. But when, but when people are lost, when people decide to believe a lie about themselves, when they decide to lie to other people, what we're going to have is chaos. And that's what we see, right? We see chaos because people are not living the lives that God created them to live. They're living counterfeit lives. And, and we have chaos as a result of that. And I, I just, it breaks my heart to see people not in one in unity with what God's calling them to. Um, and, and I think that for me, I just feel very, very driven to help people get, get closer to that, you know, or just inspire them to find what that is. What is that purpose? What's that, what's that reason why you're here? And, um, you know, it's unique, whatever it is, it's something that only you can do. And if you're not doing it, there is a void in the earth. There's a void in the world because you're not in oneness with the one who called you here, who put right. you here and busy doing that thing that he's called you here to do. And uh, it's just heartbreaking for me to see that. So I think that's what drives me to help people become um, more, um, I guess, aware of, of what that is. And that's kind of what drives me to post some of the stuff that I be posting. Sometimes I don't need to post the stuff that I post. I realize that too. Sometimes I'm like, delete <laughs> <laughs> well i i think anybody who who really has a belief in people and has and, and and has a belief in god um when you see so many things that are going on in the world today it's hard not to, it's hard two ways it's hard not to just throw your hands up in the air and, and mm -hmm. say you know i give up mm -hmm. um you know i, I i'm secure in my, in my faith so the heck with the rest of you right but it's also uh hard not to say hey listen we're going about this all wrong there's a better way mm -hmm. and and i i uh, you know i admire people who like you who will come on and and, and speak the truth and uh, mm -hmm. a lot of times it's 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 difficult because do you ever get blowback i mean, I mean should I, I, oh I, yes I do. I do. And it, and that part is hard. I'm not going to lie because um, I, I used to have a, and I still deal with it. Like the fear of rejection is, used to be something that I struggled with a lot when I was younger. And I don't like for people to be unpleased with me, displeased with me. I don't like it. It feels very uncomfortable. Um, but I'll tell you this too. One of the things that, and I, and I, this is something that I share with my mamas because sometimes the mamas that I, I fellowship with to help, help encourage them to disciple their kids, 
sometimes they're discouraged because they they are afraid that their kids don't want to hear what they have to say to them. Hmm. And, and I said, you know what, we're supposed to be like Jesus and Jesus shared truth, very hard truths with people, whether they were ready to hear them or not. And he shared the truth in love. And so for me, if there's not a better example than that, that we need to be willing to speak truth, even when people don't want to hear what we have to say. But the reason why he spoke truth is because it led, later led to salvation. It later could lead to salvation if people decided to receive that truth, right? right? Um, and you, we see that with the woman at the well. When he basically reads all her mail, right? He just was like, you've been sleeping, you've been with this dude and this dude. And I know the dude that you in now ain't your husband, right? And so he pretty much just laid all that out there. And that's some intimate stuff to be talking about, right? right. But what did she do? What did she do? So she went off to back to Samaria to tell all the people, this man told me everything I ever knew about myself, right? right. And then they received the truth. And then they are saved. But can you imagine if Jesus decided to just mm, be tight lit because, you know, I don't want to hurt her feelings. I don't want to say anything offensive. And didn't share the, who he was, right. that he was the living water, that you will never go thirsty if you drink from the water that I have to give you. If he never shared that from with her, then she would have never shared that truth with those in Samaria. And then they would not have come to know the truth. And for me, it's the same thing. It's like, if this is the example that I have of who Jesus was, then what business do I do being tight-lipped? Right. I can't lead people to the truth if I'm not willing to share the share truth. Share the truth. Exactly. Exactly. It's interesting. Man. My, my, my grandfather was a minister and he, he worked uh, at a barbershop during the week, you know? And so when I would go visit him, um, you know, I sometimes I'd hang out at the barbershop all day. And the things that went on the barbershop were, were not Christian based, <laughs> the things that were being said, things yeah. like that, not by him, but just by the, the, sure. the, the yeah, people, the people who would come in there. Yeah. Right. And, 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 you know, on his lunch break, he, he'd sit and read the Bible and, and have his lunch and whatnot. And, and I remember asking him when I was younger, I said, you know, you, you're a minister and, and these guys are saying these things. And do you ever talk to him about, you know, Christ or whatnot? And he says, you know, I share, uh, what I share when, it, when, when the time's right to let them know that these things that are being said, I, I'm not comfortable with. He says, but basically he says, they, they're with me every day. They see my example. They uh, see me study, study the word. And they start asking questions about like things uh, about these things. And he says, they will come to me uh, with, with questions and things like that. And I invite them to church and things like that. And so, cause, and I was, I was curious cause I, I, you know, like I was saying there, the, the things that were being said and I was young, I, I mean, I was, you know, I was 12, 13 years old. And, uh, and, and it was interesting when he, when he said that and, and I, and I could see that in him and I could see that, that his walk all throughout my life that I can remember was a, a man of example who would share with people in his own way. And he was always there for everybody, and and he knew the word. And it was it was interesting to to see to see uh, see that growing up. Yeah, yeah, I know it, it is. It's it's really a blessing to have people like that. Um, I I I never really watched anybody actively ministering to anybody either in my life, but I do remember waking up in the morning and watching my dad with he'd be at the dining room table and he'd have 
all these like Bibles and different versions and concordances and all these things. And he would be up studying the word of God first thing in the morning before he went to work. And he had to be at work at like five 36. Wow. So he, this is like 4am. I would wake up because I heard him or something. I used to be a really light sleeper. And I said, used to be, you heard it. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, and that was something that was, it stuck with me because I'm like, there's, there's some value there. If my, my dad is up early in the morning, making sure he gets, but I also knew, I also knew that every Friday, where was my dad? My dad was in the prison. He did prison ministry from the time I can remember yeah. until about when I got married. And maybe just shortly after I got married, he was in every Friday night in the prison ministry, ministering to these people, men and women in the prison. Wow. You, you can't really do that if you're not feeding yourself with the word of God on a normal basis. Right. And I can't even imagine how many lives he's changed. I mean, the people he's brought to the Lord because he was willing to you know, spend that time and with God and in the, in his word, you know, day after day like that. When, you know, here's a quick question. A lot of people talk about studying the word and we have all these apps out there these days and and, and Mm -hmm. can, can, can guide you along. How do you go about refreshing your soul on a daily basis mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. or do your Bible study or do you use apps or, or what, what is, what does Rihanna do on a daily basis? <laughs> Rihanna, <laughs> Rihanna, the original. Rihanna. <laughs> um, so I, it depends on the season because like there are times where I, I'm in, like, I want the hard copy. I want the, you know, open pages and I'm want, with my highlighter and I'm, you know, doing, taking notes or whatever, um, there are times where I am also like right now I'm doing, um, a chronological study. I've never done a chronological study ever, <laughs> ever. And I've been a Christian since I was seven. <laughs> this is the first time that I've actually done a chronological, you know, run read through. And for that, I'm using an app because it's, um, it's actually called the, the Bible recap. And so I have an app basically that goes through the version app. Mm-hmm. And, um, then there's a podcast that attached to that. So you read a certain passage, you know, certain number of passages or whatever, and everything is in order and I'm really enjoying it. Um, but there's a book and there's an app and there's the podcast app. So there's multiple <laughs> things that I'm using, um, over, more than just actually the open Bible, um, right. for this, but so it just depends on, it just depends on the season. Um, last year I did a lot of the U version apps, the, mm-hmm. the not apps, but the studies that go through the U version app, um, because it was a, it was a year of a lot of fellowship with other believers and stuff. And, you know, you can do that with other people through the U version app. Um, so that was kind of why I was using more of that. Um, the year before that, I was actually open Bible with a notebook and doing like just Bible study, like with the pages and everything. So it just depends on the season that I'm in. Um, I I think there's a lot of variety, like you said, right now. And I'm glad I think that's good that there's a lot of variety, but, um, because yeah, there can be different seasons where you'd be using different things. Yeah. And I think it's, it's an all, it's all of it away. All of it. Everybody learns in different ways. Mm-hmm. So with all the different options out there, you know, as mm-hmm. like you were talking about yeah, the chronological thing, I, I, I did a chronological Bible, uh, you know, for a year 
it was like I, I guess it was a a year. It was mm-hmm. every day for a year, mm-hmm. and I and for me it was very difficult because a lot of the I don't like the skipping around. So because so many different books of the Bible tell the same story, you would kind of read it over and over again. For but it's, you know this is out of Peter and this is out of what, and so I to me that's it, it's it seems a little bit more repetitive. Than, mm-hmm. than, 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 and then a flow. So uh, mm-hmm. I, there's a book out now called The Story, I think it's called. And it's mm-hmm. it's kind of condensed, but it's, it, it's, you don't have all the repetitiveness of it. So I'm, I'm trying mm. that one out. I'm trying that one out to see how I get. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, you'll have to let me know what that's like. I mean, the thing that I'm enjoying about chronic, the chronological study is, is how much the Bible confirms itself. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like I'm, I'm learning... Uh, I'm liking to see with, I'm, I'm still in the old Testament. So I'm really enjoying seeing what were some of the Psalms that point back to Chronicles or Samuel when these things were happening with David, um, you know, and then he'd write this song, the song of lament or the song of praise unto God, because, you know, dealing with, cause he'd been chased by Saul again or whatever the case may be, you know? Right. So I'm really enjoying kind of that, having that kind of be able to picture, Oh, he wrote this because this is what he was going through. But it is a lot of back and forth. And you're like, Oh, wait, I thought we were in something. So now we're back in second Samuel. <laughs> oh, wait, now we're in Chronicles, you know, um, or Chronicles. I always say Chronicles. I always say yeah. Chronicles wrong, but, um, so yeah, it's, it definitely, um, you know, is different, but I, I, you know, I think for me, I am, I am the, where I am in life right now and what I'm seeing in the world. It's like the more I can get in of God's word, no matter what the, no matter what the format is, man, I, it's just like food for the soul. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it, we're at a time now where every, every day I hear something that just baffles me and, 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 and uh, try to figure out how we got here. <laughs> and then you go, and then you go back and you're like, Oh, we, we always been crazy. Right. It's like, this is just cycles of humankind. Kind. It's just, man. It is. <laughs> well, you're listening to Swoops World and we have uh, our guest today is Rihanna Sanford. Rihanna, we tried to cover a lot of things today and, and was there anything that you wanted to you wanted to hit on that we haven't had a chance to talk about just yet? Oh goodness gracious! I mean, uh, right now we're as we're dealing with like all these kids in the world and stuff. I I just think it's so important to make sure that we are leading kids to truth, and that we that we do them the do that we do the due diligence due diligence of making sure. Um, that we give them a good, a, a good lead into this world because um, without a foundation of truth, like I said, they're going to be looking for truth. And right now it's like what the world is handing them is all this relatives, relativism stuff. And that's not strong enough. It's not strong enough to hold. And we're seeing, especially with all the, all the people who have gone through gender affirming um, surgeries and things like that. A lot of them are regretful that they went through those kinds of things and are not able to maybe have children. They maybe aren't able to nurse their babies because they had these, they made these decisions early on in their lives and they weren't able to, no one told them 
no, no one was willing to, to really encourage them and, and strengthen them with truth in love, right. In love. And, um, and so it's, it is really an epidemic in our world right now. And, and you, you know, we have a lot of people that are saying that they care about today's children. Um, but actions speak louder than words. And so I want to just encourage everybody to make sure that we're L O V L O V I N G in the agape way, you know, in the agape way with it is actually richly loving and being willing. Part of that is being willing to speak truth to them, affirm, you know, whatever dysphoria they may be having or whatever, and not, not affirm, but validate them. Like, okay, I'm sorry, you're having, you're feeling these things. And that's part of the issue is that a lot of times it's just being said that people aren't supporting people who are dealing with this confusion and whatnot, because they are, they're just transphobic or whatever. No, it's just that, you know, we want to make sure that we're helping them to be dealing with it in the right way. And that that's, that's the part that is being missed. I think. I, I agree. I think we've, we've seen so many people who've mentioned, like you said, who've, who've done things and regret it. And, mm-hmm. and, and if you listen to their story, their story generally goes something like this. I was feeling this way. I thought I felt a certain way. And then the adults pushed me into it kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's like, mm-hmm. it's not one thing to say, yeah, I understand you're having these feelings. Look, you can't get your ears pierced in the mall unless you're 18 years old, you know, you can, you, or have a parents, have a parents, parent there with you, right? Parent there with you. And we're allowing a lot of these kids to, 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 to do things or, or be forced to do things without their parents being parents. able to be behind it. And then some of these right. parents, some of these parents are so rushing to do things seems, seems like not just with the, uh, with the, with the gender thing, which is so many things because they want to be a part of their in crowd type of thing. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, and I, it's a shame, you know, we're talking about something here that realistically, I, I guess, you know, you hear enough doctors talk about actual gender dysphoria. It's the percentage is so low. Mm-hmm. But the number of people that are seen to be going through these operations and going through these these transitions is so much higher than what the actual percentage much. is. Yeah, and so you want to, you know, you talk about loving on people. Um, are we loving on them in the right way? Right. Or, or are we just are we just allowing people to do things? I'm not saying allowing. Yeah. Are we talking people to do things that they they seem to regret later? And we're seeing a yeah. lot more of that lately. So yeah. Yeah, the next five to 10 years are going to be very telling about how how we treat our children in in this season. And it's it's, you know, we're going to either be found on the side of of truth (laughs) or this relativism stuff, you know, and um, I know for me, and this is always what I say when I just have to decide, am I going to say this or not? Am I going to post this thing or not? You know, even though I might get pushed back or whatever, it's like, I will be found on the side of truth. I will be found on the side of truth. That's the only thing that I really care about at this point. If, if, if mankind does not like what I have to say, then mankind doesn't like what I have to say, but I don't, I don't live this life for mankind. I live this life for God, for Christ. So, 
Yeah, no, that's probably the, that's it. That's probably all that I think my heart is, my heart's cry is, my heart is crying out for the, this generation. And so um, hopefully that encourages some, some people out there listening. Well, I think I, I, I encourage everybody to, to really not just accept everything anymore and, and, and have pushback. I think we saw this through COVID. I think we see, mm-hmm. you know, people who were shot down and, and told to shut up or, or mm-hmm. being proven that their, their theories were correct or their yeah. assessments were more correct than what we were being told. So right. I think we have to stand up for what we believe in, you know, and, and yeah. if I'm wrong, I'm in the first, I'll be the first to tell you I'm wrong. Right. Uh, right. I think a lot of times we're rushing into things these days and we need to take a step back and, and, and see where see who's guiding us that way. And, and like you said, what the truth of the matter is. And Rihanna, yes. I, I want to thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I, I, I you know, like I said, I, I, I watch, uh, watch your social media stuff. I've known you for a few years. I totally admire <laughs> everything you do. Uh, hey. I think you're a beacon, uh, you're a beacon out there for a lot of people to follow and, and keep up the great work. Thank you swoop again for having me. This has been fun. Awesome. Uh, We'll be back in just a minute and wrap things up. The views and opinions expressed by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Story Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. 